Seinfeld, the non-fat yogurt is over, but we are just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now here are the two guys who are always wearing name tags. I'm Rob Sestino. Here's Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? I thought you were going to go a little more racy with that intro. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> two guys who are fat. No, but, uh, but I will say that this episode really makes me hungry for yogurt. Yeah. Yogurt's good. Yogurt's good. I think that they really created a firestorm here with the non-fat yogurt. I think that you probably see a lot more low-fat yogurt. I think low is such a vague term. I think a lot of people are getting away with the low-fat yogurt. Yeah, I don't know if the FDA allows you to do the non-fat because then you have to prove there's no fat. Low yeah. is, I don't know how much they're they're really analyzing the word low. Like low is just less than all the fat probably. Yeah. Who's to say this is low, this is high? This is, I mean, this seems low. Like, is it below 50%? I bet they have, there's some strict rules with the food stuff. Yeah. Like, you really have to prove what you say. So maybe the rules. But you're right. Also, non-fat means no taste. Low-fat could still be good. It's just not really so healthy. Now, Akiva, many of our listeners know you keep a kosher diet, correct? That's correct. Now, uh, can you have yogurt? Yeah, of course. Sure. Okay. Are you a big yogurt fan? I know you hate chocolate. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't eat chocolate yogurt. I eat, like, the fruit, you know, the fruit on the bottom type yogurts. Okay, but what about frozen yogurt? Oh, yeah, I love frozen yogurt. Love me some frozen yogurt. I'll tell you what I don't like. The Chobani, like the Greek yogurt, it's disgusting. <laughs> I think you got to get the right flavor on that. Yeah, I, I, I've had a few of those Greek yogurts. Uh, I don't want to just, you know, defame the Chobani name unless they want to, you know, in case they want to become sponsors. But I think uh, I, I'm not going back to that well. I feel like I've struck out too many times with the Greek yogurts. All right, so there you go. We're talking about the non-fat yogurt. This is a very fun episode, I thought, where the gang starts all eating at this non-fat yogurt place where we end up seeing that it's maybe some fat yogurt. It is There's some fat in the yogurt, and Jerry and Elaine are gaining weight, and then we have the great New York City mayor race of 1993 in the background, and then we have the introduction of Lloyd Braun. So a lot going on here in the non-fat yogurt. Yeah, I really thought about uh, like Chuck Lorre, you know, the creator of Two and a Half Men and Big Bang Theory and all those shows and how he has a rule about that there's no, uh, you know, like nothing that, that isn't evergreen in any of his shows so they could be syndicated forever. Yes. And I, re- I really thought about this during the election of like, what if Giuliani loses? And like, then no one would have ever heard of him because he was nothing beforehand, you mm-hmm. know? This episode actually would make no sense because they don't even introduce who Giuliani is to like 18 minutes into the episode. Yeah, well, what a run, what a rise to power for Giuliani, who would go on to become probably one of the more iconic mayors in the history of New York City. And then, of course, takes on a whole different like national stage. But I mean, he was like hosting SNL like before 9-11. So I remember like in being like 1997 and Rudy Giuliani was hosting SNL as he was mayor. So he becomes like a real superstar even before 9-11 happens, where then he just becomes like this real legendary figure in American politics. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, th- I thought every mayor gets to host uh, SNL. Like, isn't de Blasio hosting with Miley Cyrus <laughs> next week? I don't think so. I don't think so. So Giuliani really does end up becoming this major, major figure in America. But at the time that he is on Seinfeld, I believe he might have also run for mayor 
before this one time, I'm not 100% sure, I could be speaking out of school here, but I believe he runs for mayor one time before and, and might have lost. The, the one thing I do remember about him being inducted, I remember him giving a speech at his like inauguration ceremony and watching it on television, probably like looking to switch the channel, but it was on for a minute. Yeah. Was that his son uh, was in the background like making, yes. like you remember that? I, I yeah, because they did like, a big famous sketch on Saturday Night Live where Chris Farley played uh, uh, Rudy Giuliani's son. Oh, that's right, that's right. But I, but I actually remember watching the, you know, that when it was going on, and my father being like, "Oh man, that's like embarrassing." And <laughs> and but I'm like, "Oh, I would definitely like I think like oh, I would definitely do that if my dad was the mayor for sure. I would be that guy in the background like making faces and noises." Yeah, and actually, uh, yeah, Giuliani did run for mayor in '89 and lost to Dinkins, and then he ran again. It was a rematch in the '93 election, so maybe people already knew Giuliani a little bit from the first go round. So he wasn't a complete unknown in New York City. Yeah, but his, he would have been lost. Like he would barely have a Wikipedia page at this point had he lost that election, Rob. So the two-time like, loser. <laughs> yeah, his, he would have been like if they did this with like a Senate election in New York and like Rick Lazio or somebody. <laughs> you know, like nobody would know who they were talking about. They don't even say his first name. They don't mention that he was running for office. And as we'll get into, every every mention of everybody's name would have been flipped had Giuliani lost. Yes. Yes. So a lot to talk through in the great Dinkins-Giuliani mayoral race of 1993. Akiva, before we get into talking about the non-fat yogurt, do you have any Seinfeld news from this week? Uh, yeah, I, I feel like the most common thread throughout uh, our Seinfeld news discussion is, you know, is Curb coming back? Will Curb ever come back? And I feel like we have our most definitive answer uh, so far. Okay. And it comes from it comes from Jeff Schaefer, who is... Uh, uh, one of the creators of the formerly good show, The League. Are you familiar with that show? I am familiar with the show. It's completely unwatchable at this point, but at one time it was funny. Um, because of so, the, the <laughs> actor that said he was in 9-11? No, 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 no. I did make a Steve Renazzisi joke last week, but I think uh, it has nothing to do with that. I, it just, it's, I could tell like the actors aren't into it. Anymore. I even heard one of the actors like on a different podcast like make fun of the show at this point. It's just they're doing the same thing for like the eighth straight season. And they've Got just it. examined every like it should have ended two years ago. They're doing doing the same thing. Uh, so anyway, um, a uh, a podcast uh, producer, Chris Law, who I think is maybe Rich Eisen's producer or he's on Rich Eisen's show, um, uh, tweeted that uh, Jeff Schaefer, again, the creator of the league and a guy who's, uh, you know, part of Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh, said he had dinner with Larry David this week. A Curb Your Enthusiasm movie was discussed, as was an additional season. Okay. Hashtag CYE. So it sounds like it's going to happen. If Larry, yeah. once, once the ball gets rolling, I feel like it's going to leave the station. I don't know why they wouldn't just make a Curb Your Enthusiasm movie. Don't you think that would do really well? I would say yes. But now like, let's look at Larry's track record. He made that movie last year that the name uh, of which is eluding me, but both of us hated. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and that's then fair. He, made, he made a movie... Um, uh before uh you know before curb even started which was i've never seen but which was roundly panned mm -hmm. you know okay so maybe so, stick with the tv maybe maybe like 30 minutes or less is his specialty not you know not 90 minutes okay well that's gonna be fun to watch all right so we will watch that moving forward you want your seinfeld scene at trivia question of the week you know can we skip it do i have an option <laughs> what word did Elaine's doctor write on her chart that she thought described her as a patient? Uh, wasn't it difficult? Difficult is right. 
not a difficult question for Akiva this week. The ones we've done already, I'm, I'm, I'm money on for the most part. Yeah. We haven't done that one yet. Yeah, but I, if I've seen it in like the last, you know, however much time, I'm, I'm pretty much good. Why do you watch a lot of Seinfeld outside of this podcast? No, I actually never. I, I, I really never do. I, I try and avoid it on purpose. So when, when, uh, if it's on, it's on. But I, I try and avoid it because when an episode's fresh, I feel like it's more exciting. Yeah, it'll throw us off. Yeah, for sure. Plus, that would at this point that would be cheating for the scene. It. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's go back to November of 1993. This episode aired on the Thursday following the 1993 New York City mayoral race between Rudy Giuliani and David Dinkins. Very topical stuff on November 4th, 1993. And we actually start off with some stand-up, which I thought is kind of interesting because I feel like it's the least rehearsed piece of stand-up that we've seen in this show. It's almost like Jerry's like doing crowd work and it's like a minute or two of Jerry doing crowd work. He like starts off with a premise about how, hey, you know, when I was 10, I had glasses. How old were they? They may have glasses younger than 10 and then it totally just goes off the rails when somebody says they had glasses when they were two. What I was thinking is, you know, because in the episode, Jerry mentions that he did like 10 minutes of riffing off the cuff and then he has the tape of it and maybe that this is part of that riffing. That's why it's so sort of like raw and doesn't really feel like fully formed ideas you know on the back end also a little bit but he's gonna go on the tonight show with crowd work well that's kind of what he says he said i was just riffing and i did a thing on the ottoman empire he's got a whole nother tonight show here listen i don't know if his if it's gonna happen you know but he does mention it so i feel like it's sort of like a call forward to what's gonna happen in the episode all right so we start off and everybody is at the frozen yogurt place eating the frozen yogurt and they're talking about how good is this fantastic frozen yogurt i do feel like even to this day frozen yogurt is sort of like this nebulous thing where it's sort of like it's good for you but like is it is it it's not ice cream ice cream would be completely decadent but for yogurt that's like ah, we're kind of being good don't you think it's much more popular now than it was 20 whatever years ago? Sure, sure. I mean, I go to Yogurt Land over by me, and there's a bunch of the Menchies and stuff like that where you go and you like make your own. You ever do that? Men- What's Menchies? There's ch- chain that's over here. I never They've got like, it. you know, 10 different flavors, then you go make your own toppings, and they just weigh it. Do they have that w- those weird flavors? Like, what's a weird flavor? I just saw like an article that they have like pizza flavored ice cream in LA. No, they don't have pizza flavor, but they have all sorts of like wacky flavors, but nothing like gross. I don't know. I got to check out this Menchie's. Yeah, Menchie's. Is that like is that like Mendy's but for frozen yogurt? I yes, yes. They have the best swordfish frozen yogurt in the city. <laughs> swordfish. Uh, so now that's something. If you make swordfish frozen yogurt, I'll be there. I don't think so. Why you like swordfish? No, it's not even kosher. <laughs> There are some types of fish that are kosher and others that aren't. Yes, some types of fish are kosher. It depends on uh, if it uh, if it uh, has fins and scales or not. So it's like okay. no no um, like seafood, lobster, crab, swordfish, oysters. They're all no good. Okay, all right. Well, that's another podcast for another day when we explain to me the difference on that stuff. But then in terms of the yogurt, yeah, yogurt is good. But I think that like 93 hammer time, I think this is the era of things like TCBY. You ever go to TCBY? Yeah, there was a lot of them on Long Island. I, I, do th- does that even still exist? Like, I, I haven't know. seen one in so long. It was, they were know. really popular back then. Yeah, I don't think there was really that many flavors. It's just like, it's yogurt. It's kind of like a new invention in 93. 
you know what you know what part of it was also like you know how we said like you have to say like you know low fat or non-fat but if you say non-fat then you get in trouble if there is fat yeah so tcby was like it's you know stands for the country's best yogurt so i feel like the fda came down hard on them like they had to prove they were the best yogurt and they couldn't so they're out of business now (laughs) was that what happened I'm pretty sure. I don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure TCBY, you said you're the best. Now prove it. Like you guys are no menchies. Yeah, I mean, uh, who's going to prove that they're not a mensch? So we have a uh, TCBY and all these places that pop up, and this is sort of like a fly by night uh, type place that opens up. It's opened up by. Do we know the character's name? I don't think we know the, the dad's name. the mo- The mom's name is uh, is Mary. Mary. Okay. So Mary, of course, that we saw her and her son originally in the parking space back in season three. And it was an eventful moment because I believe, was it Jerry that said to him, hey, I heard your dad is closing the store. And then the kid was very upset about this. And it was like, we weren't telling him, Jerry, thanks for screwing it up. Going out of business? We're going to lose all our money? (laughs) The kid was very upset in that scene. I mean, it's traumatic to find out that you're, you know, your parents losing their job. Yeah. Uh, Mary ends up saying to him, uh, what's the matter to you? And she says to Kramer, boy, I don't know about your friend Jerry. He says some pretty stupid things sometimes. Yeah. So that's real foreshadowing. I don't know if they uh, had this idea germinating, but it's real foreshadowing for, for this episode. <laughs> and then just to follow up with that uh, in that episode, then Kramer uh, congratulates her and <laughs> she asks what for. And he says that you're pregnant. And uh, she says that she is not pregnant. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and you know, speaking of, uh, you know, sort of continuing the through line, Kramer continues to comment on women's weight in uh, this episode. So in that episode, they talk about that your dad is closing the store, but we don't know necessarily what kind of store it is. Is it reasonable to assume that uh, Mr. Uh, Mary, uh, whatever uh, his name is, is experimenting with some yogurt places at the time and maybe that we see that Mary is the first person who's trying the yogurt, and that's why Kramer thinks she's pregnant? I mean, I feel like, you know, it was only, you know, it was the end of season three, right? So it was only, you know, a year and a couple months ago. So it's certainly reasonable that the store could have been open and just the gang didn't really hear about it till recently. Um, no, but or it, it could have been any type of store. No, this is a new venture, though, because Kramer is an investor in this. But maybe like it existed for a year and then Kramer, then it was like starting to get hot. You know, the stores don't take off overnight. But this store is closing. They're talking about something that went out of business. Maybe he was in the ice cream business. Yeah. Oh, okay. And that went out of business. I was going to say maybe he's wrong, but I like your theory. Keep going. Yeah. So Kramer's also the first person to notice when it's Jerry and Elaine that are eating the yogurt that they're putting on the weight. So maybe this is way back when. Um. Yeah, I feel. Yeah, I mean. I'm not, I'm not, I, now I'm liking your ice cream idea, by the way. I think it used to be an, all the ice cream, uh, he was know. in the ice cream business. He was like, oh, people, people, they, they're watching their weight. They don't want to just eat all this ice cream. He's like, I got it. Non-fat yogurt. It probably was ice cream. Like they were just serving them the same ice cream until yes. people caught on. Yes, I think so. <laughs> I think so. But Mary was the first guinea pig. All right. So everybody's talking about it's so good. Can you believe it's non-fat? Everybody is uh, very excited. And Kramer is the big winner. He's the investor in this place. Can you believe that Kramer is investing in these businesses? I mean, I'd say with what money, but we already know he invested with the sniffing accountant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that 
you know, maybe didn't turn out so well, but uh, I wonder how much Kramer's in for. Is he like, is he one of these like minority sports owners where he's really only in for like a tenth of one percent? I think he's in for a, a bit here because they talk about how much money he's going to make. I mean, uh, I, yeah, I'm going to say Kramer put in at max five grand. I want to say ten. Where's he getting the ten grand from, though? <laughs> that I don't know. He cashed out of everything. Because he's really invested in trying to keep the non-fat ruse going. Yeah, I mean, Kramer, yeah, he's really... But listen, even if it's five grand, to him, that's a lot of money. Like, it's still worth it for him to keep it going. Even just to be right, it's worth it for him to keep going. So Jerry is eating the yogurt. He, he can't believe how good it is. And he ends up saying, it's so bleeping good, which is hilarious on a number of levels. One, it's just so funny to hear Jerry cursing in an episode randomly. I mean, it really comes from nowhere. Like, Jerry doesn't curse in his act. He never really curses the rest of the series. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> That's how good the yogurt is. It makes you just you be using the F word. It just throws everyone's hormones off. Okay. And so, as he says that, we end up seeing uh, this kid, Matthew, ends up walking by and uh, rep- and hears it and Mary is like, oh, great going, Jerry. You had to say that in front of my kid. Yeah. And again, it's not clear, even though, yes, we did meet them at the end of the parking space for two seconds. It's not clear like that. They're the owners of this uh, nonfat yogurt store. You know, the yeah. more could have been done to sort of introduce who they were. And then, so at this point, this is where we have Lloyd Braun come in and he is a guy who grew up in George's neighborhood and now he's a big advisor to Mayor Dinkins. They end up saying that a lot during this episode. He's a big advisor to Mayor Dinkins. That's his business card. It just says big advisor. Big advisor, Mayor Dinkins. Mayor Dinkins, he can't make a single decision. (laughs) Apparently, this guy dresses him. We find out in the deleted scene, according to Frank Costanza, he tells Mayor Dinkins how many ice cubes to put in a drink. Yeah, Frank also says in that deleted scene that um that he tells him what soap to use and then later on like we learn in the episode like oh he does tell him which soap to use <laughs> yeah <laughs> but anyway so here is uh lloyd braun and uh, lloyd braun will come up a bunch of times in the series how many total times for lloyd braun we see him three times total okay and so uh, here is the first appearance of Lloyd Braun, and uh, he's a real nemesis. He's uh, the uh, Sue Ellen Mischke for George Costanza, right? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, yeah, it's weird because, like, why is Lloyd even interested? Like, he's only interested in, jo- in, like, George in the sense that, like, he wants to be better than him. Even though he's so clearly better than him, I'm not sure why he views him as a nemesis. But, I like, the actor does look like such a jerk that, it you know, it works. Yeah. And actually, Akiva, this is a Lloyd Braun, which is going to be played by the actor Peter Kelligan. But Lloyd Braun will be played by Matt McCoy in future subsequent episodes. Yeah. And I talk about how I, um, you know, I never recognize faces. So these things really never like occur to me. But if you look at them side by side, they look nothing alike. Like this guy's a good looking guy. That guy is more of like a shady character. <laughs> All right. So why did they have to bring back Lloyd Braun with a different actor? They couldn't get Peter Kelligan? Couldn't get, couldn't meet Kelligan's fee. I guess not. So this Lloyd Braun, he's a real jerk. Uh, he's coming over here and he's like, hey, I heard you're moving back home. And George says that there was a fire in his apartment and that's why. And <laughs> Lloyd Braun says to George, like, hey, there's a lot of major babes in this place. In the yogurt place? He's such a, first of all, there's no space for there to be major babes. Like we've seen the whole store. There aren't a lot of major babes. Um, 
and also major babes is like isn't lloyd braun like he's so he's like completely out of cobra kai no <laughs> i think so <laughs> his exact quote is there's a lot of major chicks in this place that doesn't even make sense unless he's like they're army women there how could there be major chicks in this place a lot of major chicks like an early 90s thing like just put major in front of every word and it made sense okay and so i think george is like trying to like elbow jerry to say can you believe this guy and so lloyd braun calls him out on the elbow thing yeah or maybe he's saying let's get out of here <laughs> maybe and so lloyd braun is like hey that's a bitch <laughs> wow lloyd braun <laughs> we're really amping up the language in this episode yeah we really are and so uh, Lloyd Braun ends up meeting Elaine, and he is very impressed with her. Well, she hasn't gained all that weight yet. She hasn't gained all that weight. And so anyway, she has to run, but she thinks that, boy, Lloyd Braun is really cute. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, she's, uh, he's a cute guy, um, but he's not into the chubby ladies. <laughs> that we will find out later on in the episode. All right. Let's go back to Jerry's apartment where Kramer is talking with Jerry and Jerry's asking Kramer, how did you know to invest in it? And Kramer's like, I tasted it. It was so good. And Jerry's talking about this set that he did, which is on this tape. And he just, he killed, talked about the Ottoman Empire. It was a whole empire based on putting your feet up. And now he has it on tape and everything is going to be perfect now. I would say it's a good thing that, spoiler alert, the kid destroys that tape. If that's his best bit, the Ottoman Empire built. Yeah. There's a weird line in here where Elaine is talking about how she's having problems that she uh, bit down on the fork and Jerry says to her, boy, it's hard to believe with all that biting experience, a person can make a mistake like that. Is that like some sort of shot at Elaine? No, see, whenever I watch this episode, I'm like, wait, does that pay off? And then like it doesn't, you know, but I I think Jerry just wanted to get that that bit in there, like the biting experience thing, because clearly it has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. So Kramer ends up noticing that Elaine has put on weight. I don't think that the actors actually look like they put on weight, but they're just both wearing like really baggy shirts. Yeah, I mean, it's not the it's not the winter yet. Right. When the scenes are being shot like but I it, right. They're almost wearing like coats at sometimes or like or things that were it's, it's too hard to tell whether they are or not skinny. Yeah. Kramer says you look like you put on five, ten pounds. I mean, he really is way with words like that's like the first thing they teach you in kindergarten is like, don't tell women that they look fat. Yeah. And Jerry, too. He looks like he's getting heavy. This is like a hate crime nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> and so Elaine goes to the scale. She gained seven pounds. How did she gain seven pounds? Jerry gained eight pounds. Now, how much yogurt could they possibly be eating to have gained seven and eight pounds? I mean, basically, it'd have to be at least two, maybe three meals a day. I also like that they each weigh each other somehow, like, I guess simultaneously, or maybe as Jerry has two scales, because... Within two seconds, it's like the scene where Kramer comes back in the contest. Like, how do they weigh each other so quickly? <laughs> and like, Elaine's in the, and there's no way Elaine is going on the scale with Jerry in the bathroom. There's also a weird misunderstanding that seems to happen where Kramer says, well, maybe it's the Oreos. And Elaine says, I don't eat Oreos. And Kramer says, you don't eat Oreos? The way you break them open, you're practically having sex with them. <laughs> Which is it? Does she eat them? Is she having sex with the Oreos? I mean, she doesn't eat them, so I guess she's not. Like, it's not even like, I, I only have some Oreos. Kramer seems to imply that she's not only eating the Oreos, that she practically is having sex with them. I think she means, like, the way you break open an Oreo is sexual, he's saying. I, I don't, yeah, I'm not implying anything. 
that is that is sex like that she's doing with the Oreos. I just feel like that it's odd that this, a misunderstanding has happened. Yeah, I mean the whole I guess the whole exchange here doesn't make so much sense. I'm not trying to uh, put any sort of a perverse Oreo uh, ritual on Elaine. You know what I was thinking about uh, when Elaine was on the scale, like a What's that? thought that popped in my head. What percentage of uh, husbands or significant others uh, know? Because Elaine says she's she gained like seven or eight pounds. Uh, know what their wife weighs, like mm. to the pound. It's a good pa- question, I mean, right? I, I mean, not to, to the, the pound, pound, but like within a range of like three pounds. Because yeah, I mean, it could change every day. Mm, I, I was think thinking not many. This. I don't think many. It, it can't be a lot. It's got to be like under fifty percent, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. If someone has a different opinion, write in. But I, I was thinking that it's got to be low. The other day, my wife was complaining about how much she was, but she's pregnant. And she was yeah, like, oh, that's oh, totally different. Because it's like not even your body. That's what I said. Thing. Yeah. And she's like, no, it doesn't matter. It's like, but it is like, and she tells me a number and I'm always like, is that good? Is that, is that, right. is that like, I right. never, well, women will always say like, oh, I gained, women will say in public, like I've gained X number of pounds during this pregnancy. That's perfectly standard, right? Yeah, that's they, standard. When, when they weren't pregnant, they wouldn't be like, hey, I weigh 112 pounds like that. But sometimes I get the thing where she's like, oh, like I just got on the scale. I weigh blank number and I'm not, I don't know, like <laughs> if that's it's a little bit not. of a game show if I'm supposed, what my reaction is supposed to be. I think you're just supposed to say, oh, that's great. Because like, I'm always so trying to come up with, well, what's the reaction that I'm not going to make my wife mad? I feel like there's no reaction. You're in a lose-lose situation there. Yeah. Just get I out of the way. Like, oh, that's as good. As possible. <laughs> yeah. But ironically, when women weigh the most, that's when they're most willing to talk about their weight, like when they're pregnant. Hmm. Yeah. She's not thrilled. She's not thrilled with it. But anyway, back to Kramer talking about Jerry. I do like that Kramer is uh, very quickly resorting to calling Jerry things like Tubby. He calls him Fatso. He calls him Chubby in this episode. Yeah, the whole uh, you know the whole episode. It's a running theme, and the, the kid calls him fat at the end. Lloyd Bruin calls him fat in the deleted scene. So Kramer makes a bet with Jerry because they're like, "Well, we're going to see if the yogurt has fat in it." And Elaine's going to call the FDA, and Kramer says he's so sure that the yogurt doesn't have fat in it. He says that if it comes back that there's fat in it, Kramer will eat uh, yogurt for a week. This this bet makes no sense, right? Right. There are no stakes to this bet. It's like me saying, uh, I'll, I'll give you a dollar if you watch review. Like, I don't, I have, stand to gain nothing from it. But this is even weirder than that. It's almost like that Kramer should say, you know what? I'm so sure that there is no fat in yogurt. I'll prove it to you. I'll eat nothing but yogurt for a week, and then you could weigh me. Right. It, that, that should be the test. Or he should do this before they go to the lab. It makes no like once it has fat in it, there's nothing to prove. We know it has fat in it. Who cares what kind of diet Kramer's on? I wonder if this was left in there from like an earlier draft of the script where maybe like there was the subplot about Kramer dating the woman who was the scientist like wasn't they didn't come up with that yet. And maybe it was going to go in a different direction. Yeah, I have kind of a theory rewatching this episode where some of these things were maybe thrown together a little bit. Because even like the first time they they don't mention Giuliani and then they like show his his cholesterol. Um, and, you know, you don't even know who he is at that point, even if you know who he like. It's never mentioned like, oh, Dinkins is running against Giuliani at that point when you see his cholesterol uh, being tampered with in the lab. So I, there's a lot of things that are like out of order or don't totally make sense in this episode. Yeah. Episode uh, written by Larry David. So 
interesting. I don't know uh, what we take away from that. If like LD is more of an idea guy, more so than a plot guy, it'd be an interesting thing to sort of look at the episode that he's written and see if there's like, uh, maybe if it's just like a great story, but in terms of like the actual plot details, maybe there's some holes. Yeah, I think this is an outlier episode in the sense where, you know, it was the latest they ever wrapped an episode, right? They're still doing stuff the day before the episode. They had the whole, you know, the whole Giuliani press conference scene is filmed the day before the episode. Like, it's possible they were scrambling. They When they when they wrote it, they didn't know who was going to win the election, which was a big problem for them. So, uh, you know, we'll give them the write-off for this episode for for that sort of thing. Jerry says to Kramer here at the end of this conversation, he says, well, let's start the insanity. Is that a callback or a shout out to stop the insanity? Is that the, is this the right year for that? Oh, I have no idea. Do you know it's Susan Powder? I don't even know what you're talking about. I, I don't know if you're like trying to trick me with something. <laughs> I'm not here. trying to trick you with anything. That she was like a weight loss person, and I'm trying to see what year she ended up being uh, popular. And she rose to fame in the 1990s with her catchphrase "Stop the insanity." which was the centerpiece of her weight loss infomercial. Um, so I, think- I, I'm, I don't know. I, it, look, it, says, it looks like on a Wikipedia page that she started in 94. And as of 2012, she was living in a self-described earthship in New Mexico. All right, but we can get her on the kind of crazy. Uh, well, she's never really mentioned in Seinfeld, unless you think this is a mention. I think this is a mention. I'm going to go out on a limb and I say, I agree. I think it is. And she's no longer a public figure, I guess, if she's living on an earthship. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing. I maybe maybe <laughs> she still has a TV show. She just likes the Earthship. Yeah. Because yeah, she started her own uh, talk show style television program uh, called the Susan Powder Show in 1994. So she had to have been popping by 93, by November of 93. If she's going to get her own show in 94, well, maybe the show made her pop. Maybe no, like the, the infomercials her made her pop. The, she the, the infomercials were what what made her blow up, and then they said, "Oh, let's give her her own show." Uh, she has 5,700 followers if it's the right Susan Powder, which it might not be. Yeah. Does she have really she, short hair? She, yeah. Uh, it, like they don't, there's no picture of her hair. She almost looks bald in the, yeah. in her profile picture. And, but That's then her. it could be an imposter. She's not verified. So. <laughs> oh, you got to verify Susan Powder. Yeah. Ver- someone verify. Would, would you rather Susan Powder be verified or you? Oh, Susan Powder. Okay, good. Just stop just the insanity that. talking about me. Being I had a I had a I had like a funny thought where it'd be funny. Let's say like I knew someone at Twitter because Rob, I guess if people don't know, is not verified. You're still not verified. right? Still not. Uh, it would be funny if like everyone you podcast with and even like most of your like well-known fans all became verified overnight and you still weren't. That sort of that would be my if I if I like knew someone to work at Twitter, that's what I would be working on right now. Hilarious. <laughs> Maybe every single person who's a patron becomes verified except for That's you. Good. Very good. All right. So we end up seeing George with his parents. <laughs> What's going on with uh, Frank Costanza talking about Tommy Toon? I have no idea. I was hoping you would know. <laughs> it's very funny. that He just has such a uh, funny cadence in the way that he talks that he's just like, Tommy Toon is a very good dancer. Like, he's just like, what is he even talking about? I mean, and between Susan Powder and Tommy Toon, there's a lot of like obscure 90s people here. And he just keeps talking about Tommy Toon, about how he's lanky and that's what makes him a good dancer. And George is so funny every time Frank is on one of these rants about something. He just looks so pained. I mean, it, you almost feel for George like he's living with these two lunatics. And, you know, he's like <laughs> sitting between them on the couch. You really feel for him. 
All right, so Lloyd Braun comes in, and it almost makes George look worse, because not only does Lloyd Braun visit his own parents, he comes in and visits George. So Lloyd Braun is here to uh, provide George with a referral to a doctor because of that elbow thing where he told Lloyd Braun it was nothing. His arm just moves like that. And this is a big surprise to George's parents. Lloyd Braun got him basically this top guy of David Dinkins, uh, who's a doctor, to look at George's elbow. Yeah. And it also makes a little less sense when when he's a Giuliani operative, Lloyd Braun, like in this in the case where Dinkins wins, because then like Giuliani's just a guy running. And he's not the mayor and like he's giving the orthopedist thing. But yeah. And like, why is Braun showing up at the Costanza's house just to show up, George? Like, yeah, they're not even friends. Like, why are you visiting? your not really friends. Parents it doesn't make sense. Well, I think that the whole reason is I think that Lloyd Braun suspects that the whole thing is BS, but he also is trying to get Elaine's number. So I think that maybe it's debatable as to whether Lloyd Braun is trying to be a good guy and trying to get Elaine's info. And that's why he's there. Or. He wants Elaine's info, but he also is kind of trying to be a jerk. And that's why he wants to prove that what George did was actually faking. He's definitely not a good guy. You could scratch that box off. Yeah, you could scratch that off. I think it's probably the first thing. I think that he was self-interested in getting Elaine's info and felt like if he could then get George's arm fixed, that George would get him Elaine's number. Uh, Yeah, I think that probably makes the most sense. But it is funny in the deleted scenes because in the deleted scenes, they show you the stuff where it was going to be if Giuliani, it was like the whole thing was produced backwards where whoever lost the election, Lloyd Braun was going to be working for because Lloyd Braun had to pitch the name tags and then the person who won was going to win because of the nonfat yogurt. So Giuliani won the election and so that was why Lloyd Braun had to work for Dinkins. And it makes sense that he actually worked for the mayor and was like a powerful person. Whereas then in the other way, it's like Frank is talking about like, wow, so the guy who might be mayor got you a doctor's appointment? I can't believe this. Right. It doesn't it's not it doesn't totally work. And they also had to re, you know, sh- double shoot like 15 different scenes here. Yeah. So they show a lot of that in the inside look and you can watch it on the DVD, the alternate version where Dinkins wins re-election. Yeah, I, I would say I'm not recommending... Yeah, watch the deleted scenes. I don't think you need to watch the whole alternate version here. Yeah. Boy, what would the alternate version of New York City look like if David Dinkins uh, had a second term? Well, he gets a second term, and then does Giuliani become mayor in 97 or no? <laughs> does Bloomberg I, become mayor in 97 and get a fourth term? I don't know. I don't know how it all works. That's a good question. Are you mayor? Like, you're pretty popular at some point here in 2001. Do you become mayor? Not- not old enough in 1993. I'm only like, you know, 14 or 15 years old. Yeah, but then Dinkins is mayor. And then maybe he gets like, he's done in 2001. And then who's there? You know, I don't know. It, now it's like time for the reality stars to come yeah. in and be mayor. I think so. I hadn't even gone on Survivor yet. Oh, in 01? Yeah, I guess not. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, but then anyway. he had plenty of time to be mayor. Yeah, maybe one day. Maybe one day. So, I don't think it's a fun job. Mayor? Mayor I of mean, New York. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd rather be mayor of New York than like have to be a congressman and have to go to Washington all the time. Yeah, I think it's definitely easier to be mayor of New York than like president or anything like that. I feel like. Oh, no question. Yeah, because I think it's possible to do a good job of being the mayor. I feel like there's some things that it's like. Uh, yeah, if you had good enough. The truth is, if you had good enough advisors and you yeah. get like 60 advisors, they spend a lot of money on this stuff. Like you could be competent as long as like the public believes in you to an extent. 
I'm not sure they yeah. would. They'd be like reality show star. Like no one would take this guy seriously. But maybe you'd be like Schwarzenegger, who all I guess ultimately didn't do a good job, probably. But <laughs> didn't have enough advisors. <laughs> but yeah, but I think, but I, but that's different. Being the governor of California, I think, is a lot harder than being the mayor of New York City. Yeah, like you have a limited amount of power. So we end up having where Lloyd Braun got the appointment for George. He doesn't want to go to it, but they insist he has to go. And now he wants the phone number for Elaine. George says he doesn't have it. And uh, Estelle is very quick to give Lloyd Braun Elaine's information. Yeah, I think this would have been a little easier in 2015 to get the info. Especially, he's already asking Dinkins for doctor's referrals for his friend. He may as well just ask Dinkins, like, hey, can you get somebody on finding this hot chick's uh, phone number for me? Wow. Boy, Dinkins was really uh, spreading himself thin in the days before the election. I had people working on that. Can you imagine this conversation? Like, I guess he's a big advisor, but still. He's like, all right, I know this guy. He's not really my friend. He has this weird elbow tick. Do you know any good doctors? Can you actually get him the appointment? Well, maybe Dinkins has like an elbow guy. It's like, hey, you know your elbow guy? Can I send a referral of my friend from growing up? Because uh, I, I got to get this woman's phone number and he knows her. Yeah, without Seinfeld, I wouldn't have even known like which doctor to go to for an elbow. I've never really had any elbow-related issues. Well, are there a lot of elbow-related injuries on Seinfeld? No, but I, this episode now I know it's an orthopedist. Like I had, no, who knew? I, you know, who knew? Maybe like, the, do you think there's any elbow specialists out there? Like a guy, he's an orthopedist, but like he's the best elbow guy in the city. Like Dr. James Andrews. Yeah, but yeah, but that's really for a specific type of surgery. Like, yeah. let's say you have a twitch. You go to do you go to James Andrew for a twitch? <laughs> I think so. Matt Harvey would. Yeah, Matt Harvey, just to get him out of a game. Don't even start. <laughs> well, a guy will. I, I we're not talking about the Mets now, but he will not pitch one inning in the postseason. I can guarantee you that. Because the Mets won't make the postseason. Oh, don't, don't even start. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why? All right. Anyway, so then let's uh, get into Elaine. That they're all back at the apartment and uh, very excited because they found a place that will test the yogurt for forty five dollars. I mean, uh, that's nothing to sneeze at, right? Well, you think that's a lot of money? I feel like, you know, it's such a specific request. You know, they might not even take jobs this small. I feel like they're doing them a favor almost the last. Yeah, it's like 70 bucks and probably in uh, 2015 dollars. It's just, you know, a little bit of an investment just to prove that the yogurt has fat in it. Yeah, but I feel, listen, we know that these people are so psychotic. They'll go to much further lengths to prove that they're right. Okay. So anyway, we get a visitor to the apartment and it is Mary... And she is saying that, boy, Matthew, every word out of his mouth is F this, F that. He said recently, where's my effing cupcake? And it's all because of Jerry. He looks up to Jerry. By the way, I like that Mary is on pop-in terms with Jerry, that she just knows where he lives and stops by at all times. Yes. And maybe they live near each other because, you know, the parking spot was right outside the house, right? So it's possible they live like a block away or even in the same building. But it's just funny that she shows up unannounced. Yeah. And Jerry ends up asking her, hey, does your husband's yogurt have fat in it? And she ends up saying, uh, no effing way. Yeah, I do Very love funny. that. This is like clearly they should have had the dad curse too, honestly, in this episode. The dad doesn't play a major part, but he should have cursed in the scene in the store. Yeah, so that's very funny. All right. So we see back at the yogurt store, Newman is now here with all of his cronies. He's really taken up shop here in the yogurt store. Yeah. And the only reason for this brief scene is to show you that Newman likes the yogurt. You know, this scene almost could have been uh, cut without any issue. Uh, Newman's loving the yogurt, and he's with his uh, mailman friends, and he's talking about... And male about, woman. Yeah, and, uh, there's a male woman? Yes. 
a postal worker, well, a female postal worker. And as they're talking, like Newman's very funny that he's like, and so I told her, get in the back of the line, granny. <laughs> all cracking up. I also like when he orders like another round of vanilla. They don't even listen to him. Like they don't actually <laughs> I believe, give him his yeah. for, for uh, me strawberry, and my friends. Right. Another strawberry. round of strawberry for me and my friend. <laughs> like it's a bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have like waiter service at the yoga This store. round is on me. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so that's how we see that uh, Newman is getting really into the yogurt. And then uh, we end up seeing that they're getting the sample, Jerry and Elaine, to go and get it tested. So they have to get it out there, and there's a little concern that it's going to melt. Yeah, Kramer says if it melts, it changes the molecules. It doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. And Kramer, when Jerry says, it doesn't matter if it melts, and Kramer says, hey, fatso, I got a 90 in biology. <laughs> <laughs> so we end up going to the laboratory and uh, we end up meeting this woman scientist that Kramer ends up hitting it off with. And uh, one another one of these many women on Seinfeld that is like a random woman that meets Kramer and instantly falls for him. Uh, literally instantly. The Kavorka is working. Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's at full effect right now. And so they ask, what are they doing? And they're working on Rudy Giuliani's blood. It's just a random laboratory. They happen to be working with the uh, mayoral candidate's blood in this laboratory. And why don't they have this established before the gang walks in? Because, <laughs> like, we don't need to see them telling you that it's Rudy Giuliani's blood, because it's just so absurd. They would never say that. <laughs> yes. And they would that just have it odd. out there labored, like, Rudy Giuliani. Like, have them say, like, ooh, this is Giuliani's blood, and then have the gang walk in that second. Okay. So you want to see, like, Rudy Giuliani leaving the office? Or, or just them talking about it. Like, we don't need to see such a flagrant violation of his privacy here. <laughs> I don't know what privacy laws were like in 1993, to be fair. I'm pretty sure you couldn't tell them about, like, a patient's blood work being there. I feel yeah. like that was, like, that was the rule back then. Now maybe it's stricter, but you couldn't be like, I don't know. Kramer, like, gets the number of the woman chemist because they're in the car, and Kramer is going to take her out. And Jerry and Elaine are very against this idea. They feel like this is tampering with the jury. Need to sequester the jury. That's what people have been saying for about 15 years. <laughs> and it's very funny because Elaine is, like, really getting on uh, Kramer about this. She's like, I think it smells. I think the whole thing smells. And then Jerry was kind of like, all right, we got it. We got it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with them, though. She, like, went into Newman mode. Yeah, he's really, he's really, uh, he really is, uh, you know, tampering with the results here. And it's funny when we go back to Jerry's apartment, because now he's like eating Cheerios and like weighing the Cheerios in a bowl. And George is eating what appears to be two slices of cold pizza at once. Yeah, I'm not sure if they told George about the fat. Like he wasn't there for that conversation, right? He yeah. might not know. I think they just thought it was funny that Jerry's dieting and George is eating pizza. But, I mean, G George is holding Two pieces of pizza at once. Have you seen such a thing? No, but now I kind of want to try it. Have you ever been double fisting pizza where you have one slice in one hand and then another slice that you're not eating in another hand? I've never done that. Um, I, I When you fold the pizza, it feels like you're eating two slices sometimes. <laughs> but sure. I, that's that's like a lot. Like maybe if I was like, let's say I was with a group of people. And I saw there was like, I was eating a slice, but there was only like two slices left and there's like six of us. I'm like, oh, I need to get that second slice. So maybe then I would take the second slice and like hold it for later. But that's the only scenario I can think of. Okay. So anyway, we end up with now talking about going to this doctor's appointment. And so George tells Jerry he's going to go to the doctor's appointment and he's just going to fake it. 
fake it at the doctor's office. Uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. And George says that his whole life is based on lying. So you think this is going to bother him? No, this is really George was born to do something like this. All right. So Elaine comes in and she's talking about that Lloyd Braun called her and she is going to go ahead and have a date with Lloyd Braun. And George says it's very important, like Shades of Vandalay Industries, whatever you do, when you talk to Lloyd Braun, tell him that my arm has a twitch. Uh, yeah, and there's a reasonable request. Like, George is your one of your three best friends. Like, you should have to follow through here. And she's not willing to do this. She says, no, what if I marry him? So it'll be like, yeah, I mean, it'll be a funny story. Like, uh, you know, George didn't really have the elbow twitch. He's just a lunatic. <laughs> and she says, no, because what if this is uh, the guy who's the one? She's going to start this whole relationship off on a lie for George? But George is sure he's not the one anyway. Don't worry about it. Who's the worst friend here, George or Elaine? I mean, I do like put yourself in either one of them shoes and I feel bad. Like George does not want to be called out by like this childhood almost bully and be a liar. Um, but Elaine is right. Like she shouldn't start off this relationship with a huge lie. She can just like there is a third option where she could say like, oh, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure. Like, didn't he tell you? I don't remember. And and like she gets herself. She keeps herself out of it. Yeah. So then we end up having the little boy come in and Jerry is going to talk to him about not wanting to curse. And he ends up saying that, look, I did that. It was an accident. And you'll never be a comedian if you use that kind of language. It is really interesting seeing Jerry interact with a little kid. And he does a really good job here of like, tell, you know, telling the kid what's up. Yeah. So as Jerry's talking to the kid, the phone starts ringing and Jerry gets up to answer the phone. And he looks back and the kid has like started like pulling all of the tape out of the cassette. Akiva, have you ever done this? Um, no, but didn't you used to like, couldn't you rewind the, the cassette by like moving the things with your finger back in the day? Yeah, if you got like a pencil, you could sort yeah, of like got- wind it back. This was like a moral victory if you could ever do that. But it, it, but like, God help you, if any little piece was like like bent over itself, uh, then you it. were just that's totally out. Yeah. tape. Throw it in the garbage. Yeah, forget it. Tape's really not, nobody really misses tapes. Not really a, a mourned medium. I think that the idea of a mixtape, I think, has some nostalgia that you could make that for somebody and give it sure, to them. Sure, but put it on. But what about on a CD? Like it was just better on a CD where you didn't have to worry about a little kid destroying your tape. I can only imagine what my kids would do to my tapes if I had tapes. I think I burned you a CD is uh, less romanticized about than I made you a tape. Well, it's called a mixtape. Yeah. But I would prefer, like, if you were going to burn me something now, Rob, I'd prefer a mixed CD. Not that I've used the CD in many years, but I, I would not know. I, I st- do you still see people with tapes around? Like, you ever been in someone's house and they have tapes? No. Like, what are you doing? What about VHS? Oh, like VCR like, tapes? Either one. It bothers me so much. Like, at this point, if you haven't gotten them done, you're never getting them done. Throw them the yeah. garbage, you freaking hoarder. Yeah, we've easily <laughs> talked about this like four times before. At least. But, I, <laughs> Rob, I'd say this is my passion in life. And so Jerry ends up saying to this kid after he unwinds the tape, Akiva, what does Jerry say to the young man? He says, what the F are you doing, you little piece of S? Yeah, <laughs> it's great. And, and the what the F are you doing, by the way, I think is justified. I think calling like the end of it, I don't know if he has to call him that. <laughs> I think that was overdoing it. That's like, you can't say that to a kid. I will say that uh, Mother Mary here, not doing a great job of watching her kid. Yes, probably not. Like, if you went to a celebrity's house and your kid was, like, started destroying something of his, you'd be pretty mortified. You would. You would. 
So we end up going to Kramer at the lab with the scientists, and uh, they end up starting the Bunsen burner. And I didn't really remember how this went. I thought that it was going to burn down once they turned the Bunsen burner on, but that's not exactly the case. Like a rolling chair, when they start to make out, ends up bumping into the wall and then uh, spilling something into Giuliani's blood and making him have high cholesterol. And so uh, that is the piece of plot that we need to get Giuliani to start talking about his health. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I do like, you know, they had to figure out a way to tie it in. I think they did a good job here. Yeah. What ends up spilling into Rudy Giuliani's blood? Somebody else's blood? Cholesterol? What spills in there? See, I don't know. See, like we last week, I think we asked for a physics uh, expert and got one. But uh, we're going to need a chemist expert for this week, so I'm not sure. Okay. So we end up seeing Lloyd Braun and Elaine now, and they go on their date, where else, to the yogurt place. And so uh, they're talking about how he's such a big advisor to David Dinkins. And Elaine suggests that maybe everybody should wear name tags. But it must be said, this is a very cheap first date. This is a very cheap first date. Hey, maybe uh, Lloyd Braun is like, hey, unless uh, this is going someplace, I'm not spending any money. Like, maybe Lloyd Braun's a big, like, Tom Likas guy. I was, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> He's a big follower of Likas 101. First date, take her out for yogurt. <laughs> See how it goes. If, she, if, she's, if she's chunky, throw the yogurt in your face. <laughs> so she doesn't want to eat the yogurt Lloyd Braun tells her to and by the way Lloyd Braun uh, seemed into the idea about the name tags uh, it's not the craziest idea it's a little similar to the Kiss Hello idea that they have where everyone in the building like they have their faces up uh, on the wall yeah but uh, it's not a bad idea and so they end up walking out of the restaurant and it's like Lloyd Braun goes to put his arm around her and then he sort of like sort of checks her out from the back and sort of makes a face and so Lloyd Braun apparently uh, is not into Elaine's figure yeah, I, and it's a funny uh, gag, but you, as the viewer, you're not really led to believe that she's actually fat. Like, she does not look fat. Yeah, it's sort of If they had done this while she was pregnant, maybe that would work a few, you know, recently. But now at this point, it, but also so little. When Lloyd Braun met her, it was probably at the height of her weight in the episode. She's already dieting. You would think that maybe she probably lost at least a pound or two since then. And then all of a sudden, she's too big for Lloyd Braun. Um... Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing with uh, with Elaine is that she, uh, what's it called? Like, she's so little that, it, like, maybe he saw her and, like, oh, she's probably just wearing a heavy, you know, shirt or heavy coat or whatever. And now he's actually, like, touching her and he, see, he feels like a lot of, like, uh, flab. But I don't think, I'm not buying it. Yeah, I don't think so. They didn't really sell that particularly well. And so then we find out, though, that Elaine went up to Lloyd Braun's apartment and she sat in a chair and it broke. I've and Lloyd that. Braun said, boy, you're a lot of woman. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a great sign <laughs> oh lloyd typical classic lloyd braun classic lloyd and we don't see we don't see lloyd again right we see him in the deleted scenes in the but deleted scene but that's one of like the minor issues with this episode is that he doesn't really i think they tried and it just didn't work in the deleted scene he comes in and makes fun of elaine for the idea calls jerry fat again um well you see him it, on the newscast yeah that's true that's true but you know he's he, like his storyline doesn't totally uh, end other than like his life is over because he got fired I guess and anyway so we see Kramer come in and he's talking about how everybody is making fun of David Dinkins he's the laughing stock because of this whole name tag idea yeah the Times said it could cost uh, Dinkins the election oh my god <laughs> the name tag idea uh, would have been funny to have seen that press conference name tag gate I think it would be called on Twitter name tag gate they would definitely call it that yes 
And so Jerry gets the call that the yogurt verdict is in, and the answer is fat. Fat. By the way, I think with the name tag gate, then there would be like stupid memes on Twitter. Like instead of a name tag, it's like your idea sucks and I don't know, <laughs> d- dumb memes on Twitter. About it. But yeah, if there's fat. The yogurt is fat. No surprise. So we see George at the doctor in the doctor's office and the doctor is thinking how there's nothing wrong. And uh, George is saying about how this is a mystery. And the doctor suggests the possibility that George is faking it. And George is up in arms at this claim. Yeah, because George is such a liar. He like, but he hates being called out for lying. It's like mm-hmm. a real great, there's a real great standoff here between George and the doctor. Yes. And George is really indignant about like, what kind of person do you think I am that would do something like this? And the doctor's like, well, a very sick, immature person who doesn't care about other people's time. And he's like, uh, I said goodbye. And he ends up kicking him out. And on the way out, George actually bumps his elbow on the table. Yeah. First of all, I love the I said good day because that's such a 90s thing, right? Mm-hmm. I said good day, sir. And also, uh, doesn't like Willy Wonka say that? I'd also like, um, uh, you have to have some real cojones as a doctor to like say openly that your patient is faking. No? Yes. Especially a patient that is essentially a VIP, right? He got sent to you by the mayor of New York City. I mean, isn't it possible that he has some sort of mental condition where he has like the yips where there's nothing wrong with him physically? But the doctor is like ruling out any sort of like mental illness. Yeah, it really, for the doctor, I don't know. This, there's a little malpractice here because it's clearly something that's possible since it happens to George, you know, 10 seconds later. And I don't know if it would show up in an MRI that you're having, you know, an elbow twitch. So I, I'm not sure, so sure what the doctor's doing here. Okay, so George ends up hurting his elbow, and that is going to come back later on in the episode. I think that's a pretty funny uh, joke. So we're back at Jerry's apartment. Jerry, Lane, and Kramer are watching TV, and they end up seeing a news conference from Rudy Giuliani about how he has very high cholesterol. And he talks about how the only thing he had been doing was eating yogurt. Yeah. So, the, I mean, he can't even figure out what it would be. It's not the yogurt. It's nonfat. Yeah. And so also we see in this newscast that Lloyd Braun has been fired over name tag gate. A lot of news in the mayoral race happening right now. It's a big deal. It's the mayoral election. Would that even make the news that like a, a big aide for the, uh, you know, a big advisor for the uh, mayor gets fired. Like, does that really? I guess because the name tag gate blew up so much, like the, the public was looking for blood. So maybe it would make the news. It's also like the day before the election. So just looking for anything or it's like <laughs> such a big deal that everything is in there. I mean, I think so. I mean, if it turns out in any election that one of the candidates like fires, like has a terrible idea and then fires an advisor like the day before the election. I think that's a big deal. I mean, I guess the day before the election, there's not much more advising to do. So it's kind of like a cheap shot from the mayor. So Jerry says he's going to end up calling up Giuliani's headquarters. What a, what a great citizen Jerry is. <laughs> so we end up going back to George's house and George and his dad are talking. And guess what? Frank Costanza loved the name tag idea. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's something that Frank would like <laughs> if he had thought of it himself, at least. And George has so much glee. He can't believe Lloyd Braun thought of such a stupid idea. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know... Uh, Lloyd is the bully here. He's the Cobra Kai bully. But George gets, uh, you know, the advantage in this episode. And meanwhile, we end up seeing that George, his elbow is actually doing the thing that he was faking it was doing. Yeah, but now he's going to be the boy who cried elbow. No one's going to believe him. No orthopedist in the city will take his case. No, it's in his chart. It's in his chart now that he fakes it. It it says difficult and liar. (laughs) And so we end up seeing a Giuliani press conference 
And uh, Giuliani is now talking about the yogurt, and uh, they got some disturbing information about the fat content in the yogurt, and he is going to crack down, much like he would crack down on all sort of like lascivious activity in the city during the, the Giuliani administration. Yeah, window washers, like all of like the uh, like hookers in Times Square and stuff like that. Non-fat yogurt was just going to be the tip of the iceberg in the Giuliani administration. What would your first pledge be as mayor, Rob? Of what city? <laughs> uh, okay, give me LA since you live there. Boy, my first thing in terms of, I mean, let's let's get rid of everybody's lawn. Let's let's stop this. Let's uh, okay, everybody gets artificial turf. Why? What's the problem with the lawn? Drought. Oh, so you mean you're you're? Oh man, look at you, conservation. Because <laughs> <laughs> people support that, I think. Do you do you take like shorter showers now since the, there's a drought? Oh, you have to, Akiva. Do you really? Are you like very conscious of that? You have to. You get water shamed. But how do they know? Nobody knows. Like they know if you're like you have an elaborate lawn. Nobody knows how long you're in the shower for. Yeah. Oh, unless you're periscoping it. People love to, and they do the water shaming with these like celebrities that have like these big houses with like really green lawns. They pay the most taxes. Let them let them water shame. Oh well, that's not how a lot of people see it, Akiva. (laughs) All right, water shaming is going on. I don't know if I'm on, if I'm going to be your big advisor for your mayoral race. Then <laughs> I don't know if we see it eye to eye in this water shaming. Issue. <laughs> well, this is a different, a different podcast. Different podcast. All right, and then uh, I may want to reverse the bag ordinance. Also, what's the bag ordinance? Yeah, yeah, they don't give you a bag anymore at the supermarket. You have to pay for them if you want a bag. So let's say you stop in at this. Oh, so you, you, oh, you. They'll give you them. That you just have to pay for them. You have to pay ten cents a bag. The problem is if you go to like a, you know, you do like a major shopping thing, they put in so many bags and you know, if they're charging you for a bag, they're going to put like one box of cereal in each bag. They're not going to like pack it in like they would normally. If the no, they do break. a good job. They do a good job. The problem is that the bags break that they give you. Well, so what do you do? Do you bring like the you gotta bring your own bags? bags? You got to bring, you bring your own bags. But it's annoying if you're like, oh, I wasn't planning on going to the supermarket. Let me yeah. stop in. If you and do then, a pop in, now you have to carry like you need to have like shopping bags in your car. You got to have them in the car. Right. But here's and the then, thing. They have no value in your house. Like you're not going to go shopping in your like you could bring them in, I guess, with the stuff. But I guess in general, you should just leave them in your car. It makes no sense to have them anywhere else. Well, you got to bring them back out to the car after you bring the groceries in the house. Oh, look at you. That could be your exercise for the day. Let's not complain here. <laughs> it's just very annoying. Like, you go to the supermarket, and then you have to be like, yeah, you know what? I forgot the bags. I so forgot. One of the- <laughs> and it's like, I'm an idiot. I'm just an idiot. I'm just a big, dumb idiot that I forgot my bags. And they'll so be I'm like, in favor oh, of this. Okay. <laughs> so one of your major campaign themes would be, very environmentally friendly <laughs> and the other one is totally anti-environment that's They're not gonna so call much you a flip-flopper sister nino no I, look you want to bring your own bags fine you can you can bring your own bags. i just don't like to feel shame if i forget my bags at home what about are you gonna be tough on crime it'll be tough on crime you have to promise to be tough you have to be promised to, you have to promise to be tough on crime to get elected mayor well what how many what crimes we're gonna be tough on murder T- tough on you should put that I feel like most voters are non-murderers, so if you promise to be tough on murder, that's not going to scare away any, you know, any of the electorate, really. Because people in jail aren't even allowed to vote. Yeah. I think we're going to be tough tough on murder. I think we're going to be sort of, we're going to be a little more lax on, like, ticky-tack stuff. Like what? Like uh, parking tickets? Yeah, I know they make a lot of money from that. Yeah, how are you going to make your money? Oh, now I bet you're raising taxes. Oh, man. This guy's raising taxes, everybody. We're we're taxing all the fat yogurt. We're going to run all the fat yogurt out of the city. Wow. I actually uh, read I read an article. This is like a little more serious, but I did read an article that like 
countries that um tax um uh, alcohol a lot have much lower uh like drunk driving rates so mm. maybe you could consider that in your if you tax alcohol a lot it's harder to buy so people don't buy it as you, often i don't want to yeah. go into politics i don't want to be a politician oh you don't want to be i thought you were like oh, i hey, barely want to vote <laughs> <laughs> let's want to let's be fair you haven't voted in many years akiva <laughs> what are we what are we talking about like uh america's favorite player stuff like that oh yeah you don't even know for that let's be honest <laughs> that's a lot of effort <laughs> maybe john maybe johnny mac gets a couple of votes maybe did maybe. you even you didn't even vote for the survivor election probably you were probably staying impartial i don't remember, I don't remember if i did or not you were too busy i don't remember i i, I did have a lot to do look I, like i had my say in my role in that vote which was more important than casting one ballot yeah that and do, would you say that about the last presidential election too your role was too important you know than a regular vote no i had no work. role in the last presidential election <laughs> okay i'm do, you I know do they like call up when you when you run for mayor they're gonna call up your like uh i don't know how they get them but like your voting records they're like uh rob hasn't voted since like the eighth grade school president election <laughs> and you'll be like i didn't really vote in that one either yeah all right, well, we're losing too many people with this. Right. So, well, no, everyone's gone. Let's be fair. Now it's just <laughs> us. We can talk about whatever we want. They're gone like the fat and the yogurt. Oh, boy. <laughs> so Giuliani is cracking down on this. And so we end up going to the yogurt store, and everybody's trying to eat the yogurt, and now the yogurt tastes terrible. Yeah, the non-fat yogurt is gross. We've established this. Yeah, it's not good. Because I mean, what is it? It's just like chemicals? I don't know anything about food. I just know how to eat it. But like, I do think like, uh, I think it's the sugar. I just think the sugar has gone. It's game over. Well, sugar is not necessarily fat. I don't know. I, I, I'm, this is out of my, Adam. We need a nutritionist, a, a podcast nutritionist also, I guess. Yeah, I think you get into like artificial sweetener and stuff like that. So it's like a bunch of uh, stuff that you don't want anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so everybody's like, boy, this yogurt stinks. Even Kramer yeah. can't even try to pretend he likes it. Yeah, and Newman hates it, and uh, he's clearly Newman does not care that uh, it used to be fat. Yeah, uh, Newman, Newman could just go to a, a fat yogurt store and eat that. I'm not sure he realizes Yeah, that. I don't know why he can't go to like an ice cream parlor <laughs> like Baskin Robbins. Go to TCBY, uh, Newman. It still exists back then, unlike now. I think it does still exist, for the record. Yeah, they have 10,000 followers on Twitter, so they're doing okay. I think sometimes like, you find one like in a mall, like an I, orange Julius. Yeah, like a bad mall, not a good mall, probably. <laughs> And so uh, Newman says, uh, I don't care. It was good. I was enjoying it. You had to interfere. You couldn't leave well enough alone. Well, I'll get even with you for this. You can count on it. I wonder if which of Newman's capers is because of this. Yeah. Everybody figures out by some point, Elaine is talking about how that Giuliani's uh, blood count was actually 150 points higher than initially reported. And it did bring the nonfat yogurt scandal to the attention of the public. And then... They're saying that's how he won the election. So a lot of exposition given to us here by Elaine. Yeah, and I guess it's I guess it's Jerry's call that he called the uh, the office and and let them know that it, what happened to the uh, you know what happened to the uh, the tampering of the of the blood of the, yeah. you know Giuliani stuff. I think it's a little on the nose that Jerry has to say also. So in effect, the yogurt won him the election. Yeah, it is. It's, you should you know show don't tell. <laughs> And anyway, so then the kid comes by and says, uh, thanks for ruining my daddy's business, you fat F. <laughs> this is my favorite scene in the episode. It's funny. A classic line. Okay. So then we end up with a little bit of stand-up at the end of it. And Jerry talks about how there's nothing more fun than cursing when you are a kid. And there's nothing less fun than using, like, fake curses uh, when you are a grown-up. 
Yeah, my mother-in-law says sugar, and it, I'd much rather her curse, even in front of my kids, than keep <laughs> saying sugar. It drives me insane. <laughs> Jerry mentions consarnet. Have you ever heard a person say consarnet? Oh, my God. My wife heard me from another room. All right. We can't talk about uh, anyone from my wife's family anymore, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> What's consarnet? That's like, gosh darn it. That's yeah, like a- I, I, I Googled, I Googled uh, consarnet because I thought he was like, it didn't exist and he was making it up. But it was. It was like, it was gosh darn it in the 90s. I never remember hearing it once, but, you know, it was hammer time. They said crazy things. Wow. All right. There you go. All right. So that is the nonfat yogurt. I did enjoy this. Yeah. It's a very different episode from most of the ones we've had so far, but, you know, especially with cursing, but it was a lot of fun. It does feel to me like a later season episode than season five. Oh, totally. This could have been season nine. Yeah. So I do enjoy this episode. What else would have been different in terms of, I feel like that the uh, nonfat yogurt scandal would have been big on Twitter. Oh yeah, it would, have been, it would have been trending, at least in New York, it would have been trending. Yeah, people would have been talking about that. What would the hashtag be? Um, nonfat Froyo? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, first of all, Froyo, they definitely didn't call it Froyo back then. <laughs> no. That's for sure. That hadn't been invented. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I also think, yeah, the, the, like the, the name tag gate would have been really big on social media. Yes, I think so. And also the HIPAA violation with Giuliani's blood, like how they even know it was there. That might've, that might've become like a big uh, investigation. I think so. The lab would have gotten closed down. Akiva, where did you rank this episode? Okay. I really like this episode. Um, it's to me, it's one of the funniest episodes. I knock it down a few pegs because as we, you know, established there's some holes in it. Uh, it was kind of shoddily edited together a little bit. I have it at number 36 overall. 36 overall. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's a good episode. It's very funny. Very funny. All right. Did we do enough justice to talking about how they had to shoot it both ways? Yeah, I mean, we definitely, yeah. Like, it's it's a little bit like you can kind of tell almost from the episode that they're like really hedging their bets the whole time. Mm-hmm. But I do think uh, just the idea of every single scene you know, doing both sides was probably a little bit confusing for the writers. And, you know, we have the benefit of time, but perhaps they lost track of the ball for a second with a couple of, you know, minor details of the scene, like not really introducing the mayoral race early enough in the episode. One of the interesting things about it was that Dinkins was sort of like hedging on doing it. I don't think that Dinkins really wanted to be involved with Seinfeld, unlike Giuliani, who I think realized that this was a good opportunity for him. And right, so, Dinkins was already the mayor, so that makes sense. Also, he was, I think, favorite. It was a huge upset that Giuliano won the election. Um, and also, um, yeah, he definitely wouldn't have been in it because they filmed the Giuliani thing the day beforehand. So if they didn't have Dinkins then, they weren't getting him. And so because they didn't have Dinkins, they were going to have allegedly one of Dinkins' advisors, which was going to be played by Phil Morris, who is much better known to Seinfeld fans as Jackie Childs. And because Giuliani ended up winning the election... They ended up using Phil Morris as the Jackie Childs character, which they would not have used him as Jackie Childs had he already appeared on the show as the representative for David Dinkins. Yeah, but we're both calling shenanigans on that, right? Like they clearly reuse characters uh, in more egregious (laughs) ways than like a 10 second scene for Dinkins advisor. So that's what Jerry said. I know, I know. But he's he's you know, he's forgetting conveniently that uh jackie charles still would have been jack phil morris would have been jackie charles either way yeah you could almost imagine that david dinkins had jackie charles as his advisor yeah he would have been a good advisor but i do think yeah right they could have easily tied that together i mean they say his name on the screen so his name wouldn't have been jackie charles but who cares yeah this yogurt scandal is an outrage
I'm very upset. He, he would sue the yogurt store, and that's why they closed. Yeah. And they would have paid him off in free yogurt. Uh, I don't know. Well, not the non-fat yogurt. That has zero value. You'd have to pay him to eat that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's get into a couple of these emails that we get. Seinfeld at Post Show Recaps. Let's start with an email from one of our listeners, Jim. And I guess we had asked for a physics correspondent recently in one of the podcasts. And so uh, Jim says that if you're looking for a physics correspondent, I'm up for it. I'm a college physics professor. Are you into this idea still? Oh, yeah. We need, yeah. I mean, but now the problem is he's almost like last week's news, Jim, because we need a chemistry and a nutritionist expert right now. Okay. So we talked about back in the Briss. We had a question about that uh, if we drop the penny off the Empire State Building and the uh, jumper from the hospital roof uh, in the Briss, Jim says that both problems involve drops. We have to worry about gravity and air resistance. In the case of the penny off the Empire State Building, the penny is going to have enough time to reach its terminal. The force of gravity is going to be stronger as the penny speeds up. When the gravity is stronger, the penny accelerates downward, going faster and faster. Eventually, those two forces balance out, and the penny stops accelerating. The speed then, uh, which that happens, is terminal speed. Anyway, uh, that's around 40 miles an hour. And so the average second grader can throw a ball faster than that, and the penny isn't particularly sharp or heavy, so it's not going to cause much damage. Oh, look at this guy. All right, he's hired as our physics expert. <laughs> so the penny isn't going to, like, crack the sidewalk if you throw it off the Empire State Building. Uh, good to know. Not that no, you still don't do it at home, but it's good to know. So then the hospital jumper, he says it's trickier because from 20 stories up, the jumper won't have time to get to his terminal speed, but it will probably get to half of it. And depending on how the jumper is oriented, belly down, head down, etc., the terminal speed will be somewhere in the range of 120 to 160 miles an hour. Uh, likely uh, the speed uh, where he hits the car will be something like 60 miles an hour. That's a pretty big speed and will do significant damage to the roof of the car. Anyone who's been in a hailstorm knows that the roof panels aren't that dent resistant. It will probably not completely destroy the roof, though, uh, because the car is designed to be safe during rollovers. And in that case, the pillars are going to be supporting the entire weight of the car, not just the weight of a person. So the verdict is officially that they should have shown more damage to the car, but it likely would have been safe enough to drive. Uh, Nice. (laughs) How about that? Uh, All right. You're hired. You're hired, Jim. All right. Great job, Jim our Seinfeld podcast physics correspondent. Let's check in with Johnny D. Silvera. wants to know, uh, is there anything from the actual Dinkins-Giuliani mayoral race that inspired Larry David for this episode? Um, I don't think so. The yogurt aspect was something that had happened the year before in Manhattan. So that was, you know, ripped from the, you know, true story headlines. I don't know if uh, the election really was, you know, I guess they just wanted a, it was a big deal in New York and, the show was so New York-centric, they probably just wanted to tie it in. Johnny also wants to know, do you have any safe curse words that you use, Akiva? Sugar. <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't. I, I don't. I don't. Uh, do you have any? Hmm. Do you curse a lot? Are you a big curser? No, I'm really not uh, too big. You know, certainly off-air, I will do so more than on-air. But I think I will just substitute, like, uh, you know, I'll say F. F this you, or F that. Are you the, like? Are you going to be good at like not cursing in front of your kids? Unlike Jerry, I think I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. You don't I'm want used to you it. don't want your kid being like the one coming home from like school and everyone like calling up like 
your kid taught me, you know, like taught my son the F word and they're like three years old. Everyone's that everyone like has that kid. Like my kids always like come home and they learn all the bad stuff from like the same one or two kids. All right. Let's take an email from uh, Mike D who uh, says that I'm surprised you guys didn't mention the incident of RHAP worlds colliding when Kramer is trying to outbe the ball boy slash man among the other people trying out is none other than recent RHAP guest Mike Mallon, a.k.a. Mike Boogie. It's uncredited as he doesn't have a line, but he can be seen standing behind the punk that is berating Kramer for being too old. Yeah, I knew about it. Um, I probably made a mental note about three seasons ago and completely forgot about it. And he doesn't look the same. He doesn't have any lines, so I, I totally missed it. Yeah, I didn't even know. Yeah, when, 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 it's, when it's Penner from uh, later in the series, we'll get to that maybe. Yes. Let's take an email from Amir. He says, I never really thought about this before, but Seinfeld really loves storylines surrounding government agencies. In this episode, we have Elaine getting the FDA involved, while past and future episodes feature Elaine calling the Equal Employment Opportunity Office in the pilot, Kramer causing a scandal with the Postal Service and the Postmaster General, the junk mail, George visiting with the Unemployment Office in The Boyfriend, and the gang dealing with the Immigration Department in The Visa. Any thoughts as to why this is such a popular plot device? I don't know. Yeah, they need more of like the Treasury Treasury Secretary involved. Maybe go to like Fort Knox for an episode. I do think that they, yeah, they get like random bureaucracies involved. That's true. Never make it to the White House, though. Yeah, but I think that that sort of makes sense. I mean, it's a show that's about dealing with all of the little like societal cues of like these different things. And it a lot of times involves the bureaucracy. Oh, I have to do this. They're making me do this. Why do I have to do this? So I think it makes sense that that comes up a lot. Yeah, that makes sense. DMV type stuff, not like major, you know, sec- you know, senators and congressmen and things. All right, then let's take our question from Chester, who uh, subject line is imposter Lloyd Braun. Chester wants to know, who is paying for this fancy doctor appointment? Is Lloyd Braun doing all of this just out of spite? That's so Seinfeldian of him. Yeah, I was wondering that. Who is, is this on the house? Have you ever had an on the house doctor's appointment? I had one once. It was, uh, you know what it is? I needed, the insurance I had at the time needed 24 hours but I, re- I like I needed to go that day because like I need, you know, for work, I, I couldn't go the next day. Um, and the doctor. So I got an appointment. The doctor was a friend of my dad's. But the secretary, it was like a really big office. The secretary was like furious that they weren't getting paid. I guess she's in charge of like getting the money. So she was like super annoyed that, you know, that I that it was like I wasn't paying for the appointment. And she like really guilted me. She almost like peer pressured me into paying the money for it. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, they like they like collecting money. Apparently, they don't like do any like, uh, you know, if the insurance doesn't pay, they don't make any money at the doctor's office. Chester also wants to know, hey, Newman, what's so funny about another round of strawberry for me and my friends? Doesn't seem like he really earned that LOL he belted out. I think they're trying to make it out like they're all drunk. Yes, that was a big laugh. They did get a big laugh there. (laughs) They're all like drunk on the on the yogurt there. I feel like that's what they're going for. (laughs) And finally, Chester says, what the F was with that little piece of S? What was he doing? What kind of psychopath just starts destroying a tape like that? He's not a baby. Uh, yeah, I mean, Matthew, listen, he has lunatic parents at home who clearly curse in front of him. So, you know, he's, he's a troublemaker. He's a disturbed kid. How old is he? I'm very bad. I don't know if kids are like two or 15. I'm, I'm very bad with I that. I think he's like 12. I'll say he's 12. I don't even like my even between my kids. I'm like, wait, are you like the six year old or the nine year old? I don't remember. Uh, you <laughs> think he's 12? I think he's a little younger than that. Okay. I'm going to say, say 10. So. I'm going to say 10. There is, I, I well, won't even say what it is because it's kind of depressing, but I Googled the, um, the kid on this show, 
and uh, it is weird. I, I don't know if I recommend it, but like maybe Google him, maybe don't. But it's about as strange a thing as I've ever seen. If you Google this kid's real name, why? Because he looks weird. Yeah. Well, he looks like uh, Dylan Roof, the the guy who who uh, went into a church and shot up the church in South Carolina a few weeks ago. Um, and so there's like crazy conspiracy theorists that he is Dylan Roof online. There's like a lot of them. When I Google the guy's name, it's like super strange. Wow. So people th- and <laughs> people think that he went. Off. But it doesn't make sense. He's like 35 now. So I don't mm. know. A little weird. But yeah. uh, I couldn't find out too much information on the kid. He no longer acts, though. Yeah, that is an odd thing. So then, Akiva, that's really it for this episode of the podcast. Uh, we need a hashtag. I want to float this one by you. What do you think of uh, TCBP? <laughs> What's the P stand for? Podcasts. Oh, okay, perfect. The country's, But do we have to verify that? Like, will we get in trouble with some minor governmental organization if we can't prove it? Because I'm <laughs> well, pretty we sure we have no country. way. Of- <laughs> yeah. Ooh, good point. We're the best podcast yes. in Yemen. We're Yemen's <laughs> best podcast. I'm sure we could get somebody at some government agency around the world that, to say that we're at least the best podcast in some country. Yeah, if we have, if we have someone like from a, like the Seychelles, I don't even know how to pronounce that, or like uh, Azerbaijan. You know, and there's like no podcast there and they're okay rubber stamping that we're the best podcast in all of Azerbaijan. Let us know. Okay. All right. And then Akiva, yes. we're still sitting on 100 reviews of this podcast. Oh my gosh. Nope. Uh, yeah. Start reviewing. We, we need to get to 101. <laughs> it's possible all of our listeners have already reviewed. It's very possible. That's it. <laughs> we're, listen, we're going to stick with these 100 people and we're going to run with them. I also feel like most people don't ever do any interaction like you we could offer money literally and pe- most people would not review the podcast still okay well <laughs> i'll eat yogurt for a week <laughs> if enough people review these podcasts from menchies <laughs> i would it's very delicious well you could put like toppings on it you could make a, like uh, like oh this is my dinner yogurt this is my breakfast yogurt I've got granola on this one menchies doesn't really evoke like yogurt though i don't know about that name yeah that's popular they should have called Rob as a PR firm to really like work on the name with them. A name is like 90% of your restaurant. Yo, naming is not our specialty, Akiva. Oh, no, really? <laughs> what, what do I have that has a good name? Um, a Postal Recaps is a good name, I think. I guess so. It explains good. what a, it it's, is. Yes, it's, it's you know, SEO friendly. I don't know if yeah. it's really like uh, rolls off the tongue. No, I don't know if it rolls off the tongue, but it explains what it is. You could Google it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, that's okay. I don't know. Self-explanatory. Have, I mean, Rob as a podcast is a good name, but I guess it's just like we're used to it now. I don't know if it was. Yeah. And you're like, who's Rob? What? what, what is and also, I'm sure like people who aren't super into it think every, you know, it's because everything is Rob has a. So like maybe they think that's a little like, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, you know, like Rob has a fantasy football league. I shouldn't actually mention that right now. <laughs> shouldn't mention <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, I'm After not in your that embarrassing loss. This my, week. my embarrassing loss to you. Better luck for me against Jordan Parhar next week. If somebody wants to leave us a rating, they can go ahead and do that at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. We do greatly appreciate those of you guys who listen to the podcast, especially people that make it this far and don't turn it off when we talk about like a ridiculous nonsense. So we do appreciate that. So thank you guys so much. You could follow Akiva on Twitter. He's at Keeve26. I'm at Rob Sestrino. Akiva, what's coming up next? Mm-hmm. All right, so we will talk about The Barber coming up next week on the Seinfeld Recap Podcast. Looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say on 
postshowrecaps.com. Thanks to Mike Moore, who writes us outstanding recaps. And thanks to Scott St. Pierre, who has to edit out all the times I make mistakes. So I would greatly appreciate that, Scott. Have a good one, everybody, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye.